When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, I, I can't. So it's Zaha who scores, and it's just absolutely shit. It's defensively rubbish. It bounces more than a bloody table tennis ball. It's just absolutely crap. I mean, it's rubbish. We get screwed so much defensively. If you go on Pornhub, there's actually a category now after amateur Manchester United. We are we get screwed so much. Conceding crappy goals from behind. And with that from the legendary Mark Goldbridge, I have to say thank you once again to Manchester United for making a terrible night feel slightly better, as is often the case at the moment, Touchwood. <laughs> Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, my name is Rory and I'm joined by my very good friend. Adam. Hey Rory, it's been an epic week of football already. Um, I think this will be like kind of touch kind of I suppose the theme of it but I just wanted to introduce this little story our favorite man in Saudi Arabia has been sacked yes he is the cheerleader Cheslav Mikhnevich he no. didn't last unfortunately and I just want to kind of draw out this quote about why he didn't succeed in Saudi Arabia there was <laughs> right is it is it God. overly negative tactics well I won't spoil it for you Rory but there was a lack of creativity and the media and club <laughs> officials had the impression that the coach had no influence on the team's play and was unable to reach the players. Hence the decision to dismiss him. So unfortunately, uh, in his uh, tenure, they conceded 14 goals in, <laughs> and only scored five goals in his eight games in charge. So Mikhnevich was called a cheerleader for his uh, classless selfie with Steven Gerrard, which is what he got mocked, <laughs> which was why he got mocked by his uh, supporters. So uh, a bit of cheer, Rory, to this beginning oh, of this pod. I feel bad for him. I don't know why I feel bad for him. He's just played the football he played with Poland. What were the, what did they see in Qatar that they thought I, this guy's going to be playing Brazil? I have no football? idea. It's almost like they didn't see any of the World Cup, right, Rory? So, uh, that is incredible. But, mate, how are you doing, more importantly? Well, it does free him up for the Poland job, right? Uh, no, it it's already taken. Already taken. We've got, oh, it is already, we've already got our Polish Pep Guardiola, which I won't spoil because that's for another episode. But more importantly, oh, mate, they've missed, how are you they've doing? They've missed the window. <laughs> I am good, mate. I am very good. I'm much better than Monday. Good. I'm kind of, I've had the day off Tuesday ill because I was like <laughs> dying. But now I'm feeling much better. Um, and yeah, ready to talk about lots of Champions League mm. action. It's been a bit hectic. Um and yeah, disappointing for Arsenal, but I'm yes, sure we'll get there. Sure. How are you doing, man? Yeah, keeping very well, uh, as you. Very hectic at work, but we're coming to the end of the week, Rory, and we're almost there. We're almost ready to taste some more football. And uh, let's oh. go through the Champions League before we spoil our listeners let's... with the Premier League and Serie A. 
Let's do it. We are, of course, going to take you through all the headlines in the Champions League. We'll be talking about scenes at Old Trafford in Group A. We'll be talking about scenes in the north of France in Group B as Arsenal are stunned. We'll be going down to southern Italy in Group C for Real Madrid and Napoli. And an, a surprising banger between Braga and Union Berlin. In Group D, we'll be discussing Inter squeezing, not making it too comfortable for themselves, past no. Benfica. Real Sociedad, surprising a few people. Group E, Lazio again leave it to the final second to get the win. Atletico Madrid come behind from Feyenoord. Then Group F will, of course, be talking about Oil Classico between Newcastle and PSG. And a snooze fest between Milan and Dortmund. Group G, Man City win. Of course they do. And Group H, um, Shakhtar Donetsk and Antwerp provide Mm. all the entertainment in that group. But we are going to go for a very quick break and we will see you on the other side for the Champions. Welcome back. Here we are. It's time for the Champions League review. And we're starting where it makes sense in Group A. And we're going to start where it makes sense in (laughs) Old Trafford. At Old Trafford? At Old Trafford. Um, As Man United take on Galatasaray, an old boy, Wilfred Mm. Zaha, haunts them (laughs) with a nice finish and a very, very passionate celebration. Yes. Um, I think he really enjoyed that one. But let's talk about the game, Adam. Mm -hmm. What were your impressions of performances here? Anything new? We have to give a bit of praise to Man United because I didn't think they were all that terrible to begin with. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. Um, Hoyland looks like the player that we know from Atalanta. And boy, does he look like he's on fire at the moment. And this despite Mm -hmm. not being necessarily creating a lot himself or having a lot created for him in that sense. But I thought he looks so much of a bigger threat than he has been in the first few games since he started for Man United. So praise there. Rashford, he looks almost back to his normal self, but he feels like still in front of goal. He's got that indecisive decision-making going on in his head. So there's that opportunity where he's like through on goal and decides to slide it through for Bruno Fernandes. Um, But obviously, Rory, we're going to be talking about defensively how poor they were and in particular Onana who looks like is there an intercurse with these players I mean (laughs) they don't seem to do well when they get sold off do they I think if we start at the back and I I want to talk about Hoyland because I have been really 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 impressed since he's come in but I think Onana you have to remember that he kept eight eight clean sheets in 12 Mm. games in the Champions League last year but he had a front three of Skriniar, De Vrij and Bastoni in front of him or Acerbi right for most of those games right all of those defenders are a step up on what Manchester United have. It's also a much more, um, it's a, a much different defensive system um, mm-hmm. as opposed to the, obviously the four at the back that United like to play. 
and also in terms of his distribution, because I think his distribution has has been or hasn't been as good as people expected. Like obviously mm-hmm. his passing is outstanding, but it's not been yeah. as effective as United fans would have hoped. And I think that's mainly because Inter have had big boys up front who can get the ball, bring it down, yeah. and targets that he could hit. Mm. So we had Jeko, we had Lukaku. Um, even like Chalanoglu's a big lad, like he's got Dumfries, like big guys that can jump, win in the air and get the ball down. I feel like United don't really have that. So even the positive that you get with Onana from his um, distribution, Mm. United aren't really able to take advantage of. And then his shot stopping always was kind of a weakness of his. Mm. Like I don't think, like he he would pull off big saves. Of course, like in the Champions League final itself, he pulled off some great saves. But I think he was never, people never said his shot stopping was his strongest point, Mm. if you know what I mean, or his claiming crosses was his strongest point. So I think once you're then behind a defense that is so low on confidence, so missing key members, right? You have to, you have to keep hammering home. The injury crisis they've got is insane. And so I don't know if he's even played behind the same front four for two games in a row. Or if he's played with Luke Shaw for many games, or if you know mm. what I mean, it feels like it's all been so mismatched in front of him that he's being left exposed more than he ever was at Inter. So I think it's making him look worse than he is. That being said, he's made massive errors as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. we all need to like we we can remember the the goal where it just went straight through his hands against Bayern, right? Yeah, just yeah, straight course, under yeah, him. Yeah. There was the um, the third goal against someone where it just went through his hands. Yeah, yeah. United are conceding third goals a lot. It's hard to remember which one. Which one was worse um, as well. That's the point. Yeah, exactly. So it's like he has made errors, but also he is not being helped on any level. So if we look at defensively, like Adam, we'll go to you. The third goal in particular. Mm. Now, I know by, by that point, um, United are down to 10 men. So they're yeah. kind of scrambling and there's, there's space. But is there any excuse for Mauro Icardi to be in that much space? No, no, like, and no one anywhere near him. And all it was was one header from the midfielder, and it was just open field. No, there, there is no excuse. And obviously, when you look at it from the previews and the reviews, obviously they show Amrabat is playing Icardi on. Obviously, Icardi mm-hmm. does a very clever kind of quick run back just to get into that position and just legs it basically with the ball. Um, but essentially... Garnacho should watch that. He should, yeah. He should learn yeah. a lot from that, right? <laughs> he might have got that goal against Arsenal then. Um, but that said, I mean, essentially, defensively, like you should not be that far away from your target, man. You should be mm-hmm. making sure that you know who's behind you or at least get a feel for it, basically, and don't let him have that kind of opportunity. So, I mean, uh, there's been lots of calls around that, you know, the likes of Lindelof haven't been solid. Um, but it, it, like you say, it probably doesn't help that they're having to rotate that defensive lineup so often that there's just no understanding amongst the back four, mm-hmm. back three, or whatever you call it. I mean, at times it looked like a back two. I mean, that's how bad yeah. it was. I mean, yeah, you yeah. can't like cover it off or like cover it up even. Um, it was terrible. Um, but again, also you think midfield, where's the midfield in that very instance? Like, I know it's a header, it's won quite easily, but yeah, you think. Where, where have they disappeared? And I know they were at that point down to 10 men, right? It's because Casemiro gets yeah. sent off. Um, but still, you would have thought Ten Hag wouldn't be necessarily trying to go to like tacking mode, gung-ho, trying to get a goal, right? 
Mm-hmm. And that's it doesn't take much to see that how the, like the difference between and now I know Liverpool and United in terms of squad depth and squad mm-hmm. strength is arguably are very far away from each other, but it doesn't take much to see how a manager can adapt and how a team how a team can adapt to playing to ten yes, men and, yeah. and how it's. I don't think it's like it, it doesn't have to be clever tactics. It doesn't have to be rocket science. It's right two fours and a one, like mm-hmm. a five, like a five or three and a one, whatever yeah, it yeah. is. Like you just shore it up. Yeah, you just go right. Let's drop back. Let's be sensible. I know it's Galatas right at home. I know at that point it's two two, and you're looking for the game, right? You you think no, we should mm-hmm. be winning this, but you still have to be sensible and be like right, just for a few minutes after a red card, let's figure this out. And then we can go and try and push on and do whatever we want to mm. do, right? It just felt like, and it's so often the case with United, and again, they score and then concede immediately afterwards. There just seems to be panic. Yes. Like, there's yeah. no there's no baseline tactic. There's no baseline, like, this is, like, we just revert back to this, right? If everything goes wrong, we revert back to square one, this is our basic fundamentals, right? There doesn't seem to be that. And they just get caught out on the same thing over and over and over again. Because you couldn't say, I don't think, that with 11 men on the pitch, mm. United prevent that goal. Because teams have scored yeah, that yeah. goal against them with 11 for 10 games in a row now, whatever mm. it is. Like, they keep conceding the same goal. Yeah. So it's, I don't understand what structure and what, yeah, what the fundamentals are. Because they just does not seem to be any. No, like that, To your point, though, there there is an element of coaching, right? There's got to be an element of whatever they do on a Monday to Friday training-wise, you know, mm-hmm. they would have gone potentially through some scenarios. They would have gone, you know, Galatasaray like to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That, well, That's the problem. So. Like, it didn't feel like any of that was there. It was didn't, yeah. didn't feel like it was evident. It feels like they're just playing their own game. And when, when that doesn't go to plan, they don't know what to do. And that's yeah. where they get caught out. So for that Zaha goal, I'm sorry, but that was such a simple dink into the box. Surely someone kind of yeah, goes, yeah, yeah. right, if you've got like Casemiro or Amrabat being that person to make sure that they sweep up, then they should be like like dropping back. If the ball goes over them, they should be trying to drop back. But I never saw that. Yeah, yeah. Never got the impression. And I'm sorry, but Rory, I don't, I, I'm going to pose this question. Do you think Den Haag is going to last till Christmas at this rate? Because, I mean, if they... I can't see them personally... <laughs> getting out of this group now i i think looking no, at, they won't get out of the group well, this they is a problem right? right i did i did have a thought and i was like laughing to myself i was like one of the f- best things that arteta has done to football is that he's given clubs more patience with managers <laughs> when potentially they don't deserve more patience because right. everyone's gone oh well arteta got a load of time and look where they are yeah, now exactly which is true, and patience does be like patience yeah. is rewarded, right? Does be rewarded. I'm supposed it's to be an English rewarded. teacher. Patience is rewarded, right? But so I think they will. I think they will be patient. But I think I'm not sure if he deserves it. Mm. I'm honestly not sure if he deserves it. Um, I think by this point, with his signings, with the money he spent, and yes, I know Arteta spent more, but Arteta's been there longer. With the money Arteta's, with the money yep. Ten Hag spent, and the signings that he's brought in. And the lack of identity that we've seen at this point, and the fact that they are—they've lost five games at yeah. Old Trafford this season already. Mm-hmm. Right? It is no one else. It lasts until the morning after that game. I just think that at the moment, 
with the owners and them not really knowing what's happening, I don't think they're going to make any bold moves, not until they get the investment that they want, yeah. which it looks like they're going to get from that Richard Arnold. Is yeah, it, is that well, um, Arnold's the executive, isn't he? It's the... Oh, um, no, wait, who's the, the guy We know we're talking Oscar, about. Yeah. It's the guy that owns yeah, yeah. Nice, basically. Exactly. Yeah. And he looks like he's he wants to come in as a minority shareholder, which is what they want, mm. right? They just want that investment. Yeah. So I think until that happens, they're not going to make any major moves, which for I think weirdly works well for United because I think just they, the last thing they need is to sack a manager and less stability. Um, but whenever your clubs go through these rough periods, there is always a bright light. There's always something that keeps you going. Yeah. And I think Hoyland is that for Manchester United yeah. because... He had a goal disallowed as well, um, where he was mm, offside yeah, early yeah, yeah. on. But I was so impressed with the composure that he showed mm. at that moment, where in front of the defender and the goalkeeper, he stopped, waited for the defender to go, dropped his shoulder, put it to the other side of the goal. And it summed up to me the type of player he is and at how young he yeah, is. The maturity. I think they, like, and we, we've said it as well, like, for him, if they expect him to get 25 goals this season, that's not going to yeah. happen. He's 20 years old. But in five years' time, you're going to look at 70 million and go, that was one of the best signings we ever made because I honestly think he is that good. And I think he just brings so much energy, strength. Like, he fucking loves it. He's a United fan. You can tell he cares about football. Watch him play for the Danish national team and how much he gives a shit. Like, he absolutely runs his bollocks off for that shirt. So I think, of course, the fans are in love with him. And I think he is the bright spark in that team at the moment. He is the thing for United fans. Like when Arsenal were crap, we had Bagayo Saka and we just looked at Saka and we were like, as long as we've got that lad, we're fine. fine. (laughs) As long as we've got him, there's still some hope. And I think Hoyland is that for United at the moment. I think he's been incredible. Um, Fernandez has gone off the boil a bit. I feel like he kind of disappears when, when times get tough. Rashford's head has dropped. That midfield looks... A disaster like Mount, we still don't know. Casemiro constantly sent off. And Hannibal, young young, young prospect, player, yeah. runs a lot, loves a tackle. Not sure how technically good he is, but I think if you want someone who's going to put I the miles he's in... he's still he's better gonna... than most in that midfield at this moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I still don't know if he's going to no, be long-term, no, but, but for yeah. the moment, I can see why United fans like him. Um and Amrabat's obviously been played in the wrong position because of injuries, but I think there's a lot of players there where you're looking and going, they don't really fancy it at the minute. They don't really fancy it at the minute. No. Uh, without without trying to sound like Tim Sherwood, <laughs> I felt like quite basic analysis, to be honest. But yeah. you can see heads dropping. And I feel like Hoyland is one of the few players who was like, just kept going, kept going, kept going. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's very disappointing that if United, but I did want to give some props to... My house is going to be set on fire. Uh, Galatasaray. <laughs> Graham Sooners with a flag coming to you through your terrible. window. I can, I can hear him coming <laughs> in the background now. Um, I really love, and Arsenal were linked with him, and I've kind of been looking at him ever since, um, Sasha Bowie. Oh, yeah. What a player mm. he is, the right back. I've just, every time I've seen him, he looks so dynamic, up and down that wing, absolutely rapid. Um, look like great crossing. I think defensively needs to improve a little yeah, bit, yeah, yeah. but I think there's a really exciting young player there, and I was really impressed by impressed with him in this performance. Um, and I just really enjoyed seeing Zaha score in the Champions League. It feels like for a player that good, and Zaha has been incredible. His career has been amazing. It's good to see him finally in the Champions League in a club that are gonna like Palace fans obviously adored him, but in like a huge mm. club 
where they're going to worship him and he's playing European football. I just think it's a really nice moment. No? Yeah, definitely. And the other player I liked was Karim Akatakoglu, I think is how you pronounce yeah, not it. not bad. Good work. Um, yeah, <laughs> tried my best there. Um, but yeah, no, he, he looks really good. So he, he looks so composed on the ball and obviously he scores that goal as well for Galatasaray um, to make it, I think, at that point two all, doesn't he? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think... They they've got a really tasty squad, haven't they? To be fair, and you think the the Vries or Dries Mertens even sorry, I don't know why the Vries yeah. came out, um, but yeah, Dries Mertens classic, you know, number nine that can just come in and do a job as well. So yeah, they, yeah. they are blessed with quality across that pitch, and yeah, it was nice to see Galatasaray of old almost it stoked <laughs> those memories of Hakan Shuka and stuff like that. Basically, yeah, you know, well, exactly. doing the business on exactly, these nights. and I think they have got they have got the minimum number required for a Turkish Super League team of like old big names. Yes, um, yeah, they've yeah. got like there's like a minimum you need to have. So they've got like Akardi, Lucas Torreira, uh, Davinson Sanchez, obviously Muslera, yeah, of course, then Dries mm. Mertens, Tangi and Dombele. Like yeah. they've got enough They're players going there. For the old I think it's look. a law in the Super League that you need that <laughs> many players. Um but yeah, absolutely love that of course Icardi as well. Loving life in Turkey. Mm. Um I did enjoy seeing him score at Old Trafford, I'll be honest. <laughs> I just got a feeling it was gonna happen. Um but we're gonna put you out of your misery there, United fans. Um but don't worry, this weekend, um I'm just gonna just to cheer you up, check who you've got this weekend. Oh, Brentford at home. That's a nice easy one. Um, you say that. You say see. that, but yeah. You say it's that all... Brentford have been terrible. And this the year, question is, Rory, um, do we call out the records that Eric Ten Hag has broken this season? Because... Let's do it. Um, you're not quite out of the woods yet. Not quite, fans. but Here I think go. it's quite funny to bring this up. So there was a tweet by Mike LUHG2. So um, he broke down all the records that Eric Ten Hag has bro- like broken this season with this Man United squad. I think the two obviously obvious ones that came out of this game was Galatasaray hadn't won a game on English soil in 117 years of existing until Eric Ten Hag. The next one, Man United have never lost the opening two group games of the Champions League until Eric Ten Hag. Um, it goes on and on, and I implore you to check this tweet out, or, or X, whatever the fuck that is. Um, but there's <laughs> a number of alarming stats that might kind of get the Glazers thinking, hmm, do we start considering pulling that trigger, Rory? Uh, I think they should. Oh, oh, it's never dull at Old Trafford, (laughs) is it? It's never dull. Never, ever dull. Um, And long may it continue. Sorry, United fans. Um, So we're going to leave Group A there. I think Bayern came from behind to beat Copenhagen. Um, Unlucky by Copenhagen. uh, Copenhagen very, very rarely score in the Champions Mm. League. And for them to go 1-0 up was a huge surprise. But of course, that just kind of woke up Bayern. Musiala gets uh, the equaliser and... Wonder kid of the moment, Matthijs Tell, comes off the bench again mm. to score the winner. Uh, he came on against Man United. Yeah, he got the yeah, fourth yeah. Goal. Um, but that was clever work by Muller real... as well for that one because he does a little dummy against Grabara mm. and then sees Tell on the side. So he slides the ball through and Tell just slides it past Grabara. So, um, yeah, fantastic finish. And um, question marks over Kane because he didn't really have much of a game here as well. Um, yeah, I, I feel like he had very few touches and they were waiting for him to kind of get into the yeah. game and it never really happened. Like we said, like the partnership between him and Muziala has had a really good start, but I think he is still figuring out his new teammates, right? And figuring out... Yeah. It's, I think there's a little pressure on Tuchel as well. He's rotating that yeah. kind of 
attacking lineup. So, um, yeah, in fairness, he was the guy that got the flick on from Muller. So that's mm-hmm. his contribution on the night. Done. There we go. <laughs> that counts. Uh, nice. So that does leave in Group A Bayern top with six points. Of course, Galatasaray second with four yep. points. Copenhagen third with one. And Man United bottom with zero. Mm. God damn, that does look Alarming, terrible, doesn't it? <laughs> um, nice. Group B. Um, now it's time for me to face the music yeah. and dance as Lons defeat Arsenal 2 1. And I'm going to get my excuses in there early. <laughs> Um, Lons's record, Lons's home record in Ligue 1 last year was incredible. Um, mm-hmm. Was one eighteen drawn two and lost two, so they're very, 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 mm-hmm. very, very strong at home. There's my excuse. <laughs> now I need to face the fact that Arsenal were terrible and yes. Bukayo Saka went off injured, so it was about as bad a night yeah, as yeah, Arsenal yeah. could have had. Um, now hindsight is twenty twenty, as people say. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Arsenal fans are like, what are you starting Saka for in a Champions League group game? Yeah. Of course he's going to get injured. Now, I can see what they mean because against, who did we play the weekend? Um, against Bournemouth, mm. um, he Arteta definitely left him on too long. Like He You're should right, have taken yeah. him off a lot longer than he does. And there has been a trend of Arteta not reacting mm. to Saka being injured. But that being said, we're not in the Europa League anymore. We can't rotate squads. We're in a group that isn't the most difficult, but it's tricky. Yeah, exactly. And Arteta needs to put out a full-strength team. Mm-hmm. So he did, and unfortunately, Saka is injured. Now, Arteta has said that Saka's a bit a major doubt for the weekend, but Adam, I can't trust my own manager. He keeps <laughs> lying about injuries. Do you think he's lying again? I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, there was that little bit of a feeling that Saka had on, the, I think, the previous match, right, against Bournemouth mm-hmm. and... I would say that maybe he's caused it to aggravate potentially further. And I don't yeah. know the extent. It's typical fashion of these modern managers now, Rory, where they don't really disclose that information because they don't want the opposition to know how, like, whether they're going to face Saka or not. So mm. that's the reason why Arteta is being shrewd, should we say. Um, but one of the things I would say is... <sighs> If they would have done their research on lawns, they would have known down that right-hand side, they've got a Polish winger that has been the best in league on last season. Um, he was awarded the best midfielder in league mm-hmm. on, and he completely tore Slinchenko so many times yeah. down that left-hand side. Obviously, it doesn't help that he didn't get much of a kind of backup from Kai Havertz on that left-hand side. Or Trossard. Or, well, I think... or any of them, in fairness. But I think... Every time there's this one-two kind of combinations Lons were doing, Frankowski was just down that yeah. side, whipping in crosses. You saw it in the first half as well. So the warning signs were already there. Arteta could have like doubled up on that side or maybe just changed the formation a bit just to shore it up, making it less easy. And it was that contribution of Frankowski, especially for the second goal for Lons, he gets that ball in and it was superbly taken. I have to look at the name. It's Wal, isn't it? Um, yeah, Wal. Wahi? Wahi? Wa- Wahi. Wahi. Um, scores a fantastic kind of half volley um, against Raya. Um, maybe a, a little bit more pressure from defenders needed there. But again, it was a well taken cross by Frankowski and first time taken by Wahi for that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Arsenal disappointing day in the office, it has to be said. But that was quite an intense atmosphere as well. I have to give it to it the Lons fans. They made it, it was more like, of a game, really. 
this was always the away trip I was most nervous mm. about. And that's why on Monday, saying in pod, I said, I'm not looking forward to this game. I'm not excited about this game because I feel like we're not like, I'm not excited about it. And I think the atmosphere was fantastic. They are a very, very good team. They finished one point yeah, behind exactly. PSG last year. Like the, these, they've had a tricky start to this season, but having watched some of their highlights and watched a bit of them before the game kicked off, I think they've been unlucky in a lot of those games. And I think what this was here was like, it kind of gave me vibes of when we lost to Brentford on the, in their first Premier League right, game. Yeah. Because this is their first home game back in the Champions League for 30 years, mm. I thought we're on a hiding to nothing here. Like they're just going to be so up for it. And I think they were fantastic. They were. I think they, <clears throat> without a doubt, deserve to win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, but that being said, we, as is always the case, we conceded the goals ourselves. Like mm. we, It was down to our mistakes that they came through. Mm. Um, the first goal, I think it is, Raya just kicks it straight to their... Like it's intercepted into yeah, midfield. Yeah. We're missing the runners, and then they're straight through. And it's just again not getting bodies quick enough back, getting caught in transition. Mm-hmm. And the second goal felt very similar. We lose the ball mm-hmm. in midfield. It's bang, 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 gone, and we've conceded. And <clears throat> sorry, so I feel mm-hmm. like we very much did the damage to ourselves. But like Villa against Brighton, yep. they were just punishing every mistake. And I think we needed to be. We had chances to score as well. Tommy Yasu was really unlucky not to score. There was a chance at the end with Reese Nelson and the goalkeeper where it was kind of up in the air. Someone should mm. have really got something there. So I think we definitely had chances to get something, but ultimately we didn't deserve it. I think um, Kai Havertz has again been a lightning rod for everybody and I'm kind of sick of it happening because I think actually he played pretty well in this game. I think defensively he did what he was supposed to do. The sooner people realise that he's not a striker anymore. Mm-hmm. Stop judging him by goals and assists. Like It's like judging Declan Rice by goals and assists. Yeah, yeah, like stupid. he's I know he's meant to be chipping in with goals. He's a number eight. But let's not say we're expecting him to score every game. Mm. Like That's not the role he plays anymore. I think off the ball, he's fantastic. And I think he was far from the worst player on the nah, pitch this yeah. game. I think Leandro Trossard was awful. That's why he got taken mm-hmm. off. Um and I think Zinchenko, again, defensively, there's always a bit of a mistake in him. We know that defensively, watch Anfield away last year, like he has the odd laps. So I think we, I, I think you're right, with that Frankowski on the wing, we could have done more to help him there. Yeah, massively. Um, massively. Yeah. Um, but incredible win for Lons. Um, mm-hmm. And Arsenal, look, we're. We will still be fine. I'm not panicking. Yeah, I think you will just beat the, a, you'll beat them on a return leg at yeah, the Emirates. I think yeah. it's just a wake-up call. It's mm-hmm. a wake-up call and it's, a, okay, welcome to the big leagues. Like, Because the Europa League group stage, we usually got through fairly comfortably. And then mm-hmm. we shit the bed. Now we're just shitting the bed a bit earlier and it's a bit of a wake-up call. But in the other game, in a massive stroke of luck with my Arsenal hat on, it finished a draw. Mm. So <laughs> that leaves the table. Um, Lons on four points, Arsenal on three, Sevilla on two, and PSV on one in a nice little mm. bit of, you know, counting. <laughs> um, and yeah, that was, I was so relieved when that last minute equalizer went in. I was like, oh, yeah. right, that's right. Even that one point difference just makes it a bit, uh, makes it a bit easier. But yeah, 
an interesting game there. Like Sevilla, have, again, I never know how good Sevilla are. I don't think um, they're very but good. But then they always manage to pull it out of the fire. I don't right? think they're very good, Rory, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but they have this kind of tendency to pull it out of the bag for the European occasion. Yeah. It feels like they're just up for it. Um, they don't care about it as much. They don't care about their league position as much. But I was expecting them to shithouse their way to a 2-1 win in the end because I thought with Sergio Ramos at the back, I would have thought, you know, yeah. that experience would have told. But in fairness, PSV, great kind of equaliser because he kind of peels off to the back post and heads it in. So, yeah, I think that was a fantastic goal by PSV. Um, PSV, you could see, were visibly shaken when it went to 2-1. The fans were like, oh, my fucking God. Like, how have we done this from kickoff, basically? <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, fair play. You know, they brought themselves back into the game. And like you say, Rory, gives you a glimmer of hope now because they cancelled each other out and it makes the group a bit more open, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, you can breathe, Rory. You can breathe. I'm relieved. And now we've got Sevilla coming up twice. So what <laughs> could possibly go wrong? Um, yeah. They knocked us out of the Europa League, I want to say maybe twice. They definitely knocked us out once. Um, so yeah, a little bit nervous about that one. But we're going to leave Group B yep. behind um, and we're going to move on to Group C where Ancelotti returned to his old yes. team in Naples and it was an absolute barnstormer. Two X. Stoke City <laughs> colleagues lay, lining up against each other in Ostergaard and Hosolu. Yeah. Um, that's where everyone was looking, really. That's where all the headlines were. Clearly. And what a game this was. Wow. Um, Napoli really properly fighting now. They look mm. so much better. They look incredible. Zelinski again was incredible for this match. But like you say, Rory, there seems like there is that kind of confidence the air of like they're going to do something with the ball every time there was mm. something about them like Osserman was unlucky when it went down to 3-2 you know he could have scored an equalizer got that header yeah. he could have done a little bit better though he, I he think, did it but... he did aim it a bit too easy for Kepa yeah. right um but you have to give it to Real Madrid as well. And that man, Jude, Jude Bellingham. I mean, there's going to be some superlatives. We'll talk about Valverde and that hit. That was incredible. I mean... I just want to talk about Bellingham. Bellingham I just, was just... He, I mean... Is he the most complete footballer that England have ever produced? I mean, I, think... I would say he's coming close to being that kind of unique spark of a player. Like, the last time I can remember of someone that was like similar and I, I might be looking very old here but Gascoigne was that kind of spark he was different in different ways right because yeah he had more flair Gascoigne yes but you can see off-y. that with a bit of Bellingham now you can see yeah. that's kind of rubbing off on him because he feels like he's the inspiration he creates chances now you saw what he did for Vinicius Jr's opener right it was just that kind of quick ball that was it and even that kind of intuitive like I'll stick my leg here because Di Lorenzo passes it out right and then I'm I'm just lost for words like this feels like we knew how good he was at Dortmund but he's just up a level now and it's just it's inc- and the, Real Madrid fans and the papers are comparing him to Alfredo Di Stefano. I mean that- now, if you are not, if you are not aware of what that man means to Real Madrid, like it, imagine being the biggest icon at the biggest club in the world, right? Now they're comparing him to him already because they're like, this guy is the truth. This guy is everything, and I think. Uh, I think I was watching that stick to football with Gary Neville, I think it was, which has actually mm. been pretty decent. I think it was there, they were talking about him. 
and they were comparing him to Brian Robson. And I yeah. think it's a massive shout yeah. in terms of that because he was a player who's now massively underrated. Like people our generation, I think as well, don't realize how good that guy was. My dad always tells me about how good Brian yeah. Robson was and how complete he was. And when I've watched him and seen like his highlight reel or whatever, he was able to do mm. everything. He was captain fantastic. It was like attacking, defending, flair, whatever. He had it all. And I feel like Bellingham really is the closest England have had to him since him, if you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. And I think it's very, yeah, I, I, I don't see or I haven't seen a player like this play for England. And for him to just walk into Real Madrid, I know I've said it before, but for him to just walk into Real Madrid and instantly become the main, the main character... That, do you know how rare that, that is? That is like, that's the point. They were questioning him when he took the number five shirt. They were like, you're yeah. getting Zidane's shirt. Like, that's a statement. Yeah, yeah. That's a huge statement for a player to like kind of go, I want this shirt. And um, yeah. just, I think it's enduring that how he's adapted so well to the Spanish culture. He's learning language, like you said on Monday's show. The fact that he's kind of commentating and saying, you know, I really like your work. You know, when he was talking yeah, yeah, yeah. about the Spanish journalist down there, um, I've forgotten his name, but uh, Sidlo. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just love everything about him. And I don't know what happened this week, but there was a picture of Benningham when he was younger, and it was with a certain Musiala in an England kit. So playing in the under. Oh. I imagine it's under 15s or 16s, Rory. I know you can't be greedy. I know, I know you can't, can't be greedy, but, but imagine you... having both of them. <laughs> right now, <laughs> this is the thing. You know Gareth Southgate would still break it up. He'd still put Jordan Henderson. He'd still have Calvin Phillips <laughs> in there. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no, yeah. that's very true. Wow. That's very true. But God damn it, Jude Bellingham. I just, God damn it. I cannot describe to you how much I love that man. And I am so invested in his career. And... I, it's just, it's incredible. It's incredible mm. to see. Um, but Napoli, that is a massively respectable result, a respectable performance. Um, but yeah, let's go for, it's gone down as a Merit own goal, which I think is very, That's very, very harsh. harsh That's on very harsh because the way Valverde hits that, I mean, what is Merit supposed to do? <laughs> oh, yeah, he dives, I, he tries his best. I mean, that hit was incredible. I've liked Valverde from last season. I mean, he was just... And I was a bit disappointed when I saw him against, obviously, Mancy in that mm-hmm. kind of semi-final yeah, yeah. game. But, um, yeah, boy, that was incredible. That was absolutely incredible here. Um, just quick word on Napoli. Do you feel they were a bit sloppy on the night, though? I feel like they they still have, like, their defence mm. is not what it no. was last year. And they're still missing defenders. Like, Rafmani's still injured, right? Like, Juan Jesus... That's fine. Yeah, you know what you're getting. Rafmani being injured, I think, is a big miss. And I think Ostergaard, like we've seen him in a few Serie A games, has been far from um, steady. Mm. But it does feel like, I feel like he is a player that given more game time, we will see him improve and he will kind of, I think there is a, I I remember him stepping in in a few games last season and he didn't look out of place. So I think like, he just needs a few more minutes under his belt. I think there is a player there, but yeah, defensively, they're not what they were last year and I think um, Mario Rui's legs have had it now to be fair yeah. I mean he did I think well Spalletti got the one last season out of it yes I think yeah. he got that last season out of Massive. it um, Di Lorenzo is still one of the best wing backs in the world and I'm waiting for someone to try and pry him away from Napoli I don't think he will no I think he's my yeah. god I would take him at Arsenal in a heartbeat Jesus Christ he's unbelievable yeah um but elsewhere mm. in that group, um, I just need to get it up. What was it? Braga against Union Berlin. <laughs> now, I put this on in the vague of just, oh, I'll just pick a game, flip a coin. I'll put this one yep. on. Um, 
bloody hell. I was like really surprised by this. It was absolutely brilliant. Now, Uni and Berlin, they go um, 2 0 up. Um, I thought, okay, finally, the atmosphere in that stadium was insane. It looked, I realized that's the first game at that stadium I've watched since the World Cup final in 2006, oh, wow. I think. And I could, all I could see was like, oh, yeah, that's that ground, mm. right? And it was really weird. But the atmosphere was amazing. Um, yeah, Uni and Berlin were massively up for it. And um, the striker, Geraldo Becker. Oh. He looked good against Real Madrid, and yeah. he looked lively against Real Madrid, and I was really impressed by him. He gets two goals, the two very well-taken goals. Yeah. But then Union Berlin, I don't know how you feel about it, they just seem super naive, like yes. really naive. Yeah, I think this was always going to be an adventure for Union Berlin because I mm-hmm. think you still have to pinch some of their supporters. They can't believe they're there. Like then, <laughs> they, there was I seem to remember reading an article where they said, they can't believe Leonardo Bonucci is in their defense. Like they, they see him as this like, you know, legend of the game. Like they can't believe he's turning up for union Berlin. So yeah, it's definitely naivety, Rory. There is a lack of experience, but that said, they have got some good players. Like we, we know about Robert Gossens from his time at Inter and Atalanta. So it's not like they lack like the foresight, if that makes sense. However, yeah, those two games, they've been, unlucky right and that is just through maybe a bit more maturity they'll kind of maybe after this campaign they'll crave it and they'll want to go back so i'm hoping for their sake they're able to do another successful campaign in the bundesliga and we'll see them again because they do look not great but i think the bundesliga is one of those funny leagues it's it's down to like runs of form like Union Berlin, yeah, yeah. they were so fortunate, I think, to an extent of how badly some of the other teams were in that league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, that includes yeah, yeah. Bayern. And, you know, this is the thing. It's still very much unpredictable. The only team that you can say that's doing really well in that league is Leverkusen under Xabi Alonso. And that's the team to Keep look out, out for them. now, I think. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, you know, look, they've got a really good manager, Urs Fischer, as well. Um, it, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with this Union Berlin team because they're not expected to be there. That's the thing. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're a club. They're a hipster club. They've done well to be in the Bundesliga in the first place. But for them to pull off these kind of shocks and be at the Champions League, incredible. Um, yeah, I just hope they can get a win. Rory, that's all I would say. Get a win. I think they, they will. Yeah. I think they will. I think that they are learning lessons, maybe, even though conceding two goals in the last minute Probably not uh, the in, best both, in two games <laughs> yeah. is not apparent of learning yeah. lessons. But I do also have to say, the last two goals from Braga are both yeah, absolute well stunners as well. Like, yeah. they're just long-range, just yeah. pinpoint <laughs> bangers. Yeah. And I think... There's not much the goalkeeper could have done about either no. of them. I think the defence and the midfield are closing them down. Exactly, you could always yeah, yeah. close down quicker, but they were closing them yeah. down. It's just they were two beautiful hits, and it kind of felt like uh, when it's not your day, it's not your day. But we also have to say, Braga is like a super romantic story yeah, as well. Exactly. Like This is their first time in the Champions League, I think, and they've got their first Champions League win. Um, and yeah, two beautiful mm-hmm. goals um, from Bruma and Castro. And yeah, for them... This is a this is a ride as well, and I've been really impressed with them. Even against Napoli, they made it very difficult for Napoli. Yeah. It was just their defender <laughs> spamming it into his own net that, that cost yeah. them the game. Yeah. Right? He almost did it in this game as well, but he's yeah. definitely learned his lesson and put it over the crossbar <laughs> this time. And I was like, oh, okay, good progress. Do you think right, he was work. like had those flashbacks going through at <laughs> that fresh moment? How much you'd be shitting yourself? How much you'd be shitting yourself? Your stomach would fall out <laughs> your ass. Honestly, it'd be so horrible. Um, but yeah, he did put it over the 
VAR this time. But I thought it was a a, a really good game where both teams were just going for it. There was yeah, like no really good, no it? sign of like let's just take a point. It was like it made me think of you know those the the game as a kid with the robots where they just punch each other, just <laughs> zero defense, just absolutely going at it. So I absolutely loved that game, and I was really surprised. I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. Mm. So yeah, really loved that. Nice. So in Group C, we have Real Madrid top with six points. Napoli second with three, Braga third with three, and Union Berlin bottom with zero. You'll they'll get a win. They'll get yeah. a win somewhere. Um, nice. Next group D, and let's talk about Inter Real Sociedad. Now, Adam, we have talked about Inter's inability to be clinical in front of goal at times. Mm-hmm. Do you think this will bite them on the arse? Because there's a few games where they should have been miles ahead and they've squeaked past 1-0. And this is another one of them. Yeah, I I do feel that this was a game that they had to be um, patient, shall we say. Because Mm -hmm. when you look at the XG stats in particular, that kind of tells you the story. Because it was 3.81 versus Benfica's Um, (laughs) 0.31. So they won it by Mars. Um, Yeah, they had plenty of opportunities here, Rory. Um, One of the players that I put as my notes was Barella because Barella looks incredible. Just the whipping of the ball, the control that he had over it. I mean, he looks so incredible for this match. Um, But if we go back to that kind of finishing piece... He's had a very slow start to the season, sorry, but he's starting to wake up. He's starting to look the real deal now. Um, In terms of that uh, finishing piece... Lataro was unlucky. You know, there's a mm-hmm. few opportunities. I mean, towards the end of the match, he's run past the goalkeeper and he's just like misfeet, his feeting, yeah. he's, he's just losing his placement. And it's probably those four goals that Salantana has taken out of him. He's, he's scored too many yeah. already, right? Spread them uh, out, Lautaro. Yeah. Spread them out. Um, <laughs> but that said, I mean, what a goal by Turam as well. Well taken. And he's proving such a formidable partnership now. He is How? not only a target man, Rory, he's able to contribute with these goals. And yeah. he wasn't that prolific, right? If you compare him at Mönchengladbach, he was a good goal scorer. He wasn't prolific in that sense. But he seems like he's grown. He's grown. He loves... Mm. You can see it even in that celebration. He was looking at the fans and he was adoring that moment. He was loving it. Yeah, and you yeah. know he's come to his own. He he knows what it means to be in Serie A and being at a club like Inter now. So I think it's another player... Mm similar to Bellingham that's just stepped up to the level Massively. and I'm not trying to be no, disrespectful no, no. to Munch and Gladbach like they're a huge club but I think you have to look at the romance of for any football fan you know San Siro you yeah. know the Curva you know it's a ground you want to visit it's a ground you want to play at whatever and I think he's stepped up to that level and I think he is on course and it's not a this is the coldest of takes because I think it's bare, it's pretty obvious but he is on course to be the signing of the summer by oh, massively by a mile like on a free and you take him from your cross city rivals when he's like looks like he's bound to go there yeah. and then he comes and slots in straight away and you're right it's finishing his playmaking, like he's just such a productive player yeah. um and yeah he you're right he just absolutely loves it i think benfica i think they kind of because of they got knocked out in the knockout stages last year i think that was kind of still in their heads and they didn't really know how to play the game i feel like last year they kind of went for it a bit more Mm. and here it just felt like 
rabbit in headlights and they panicked and thought, oh, well, they did us last year, let's not get done this year. So I feel like they kind of panicked. I was really disappointed in their performance, but that is also down to the fact that Inter <clears throat> was so, so dominant. Um, also, you say, like, Dumfries is such a confusing player. I know. He <laughs> just looks incredible so... now, suddenly. Um... He's so but then you, like, spam three headers <laughs> over the bar and you're like, oh, mate, would you just, like... He always looks like he's about to do something brilliant. <laughs> And then three times out of ten, he'll actually do that brilliant thing. But the other seven times, he just like completely panics. You know, your computer just goes blank yeah. and like crashes. And I just think he's such a confusing player, but he's a lot of fun to watch. He's yeah, a lot he of fun to watch. It's quite funny. Um, and yeah, last word on Barella. Like that assist is a beautiful assist. Mm. Um, and he really looks like he's starting to come into his own a little bit. And mm. yeah. We know how good he is. We, 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 we all know how good he is. He's just had a bit of a slow start. He's just not good um, enough for the Premier League, according to Nigel Spackman. So don't worry. Let Serie A enjoy him even more. That's yeah, what yeah, I fine, fine, <laughs> fine, fine. I'm taking it personally, yeah, I know. by the way, Nigel. TNT, like, what, what are you thinking about employing this guy? <laughs> walking around with a name like Nigel. Sod <laughs> off. Right. We're going to move. So in that group... Um, Inter are currently level on points with mm. a team Real I'm falling in love with, Real Sociedad. Uh, now, Takafusa Kubo, um, another incredibly exciting Japanese player who's been tearing it up in La Liga. Um, and Oyathabal as well, a player who's really catching some headlines. But I just want to quickly say, did you see the, Ku- the Kubo's celebration from the weekend where he did the twerk? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking brilliant. I can't remember the oh, I can't remember the female player who did it. I really wish I remember that Victoria something. She pretended to pull a hamstring and then right, like, twerked yes. the corner. I know which like, one you're talking he about. He did now, that, yes, but I don't he know. He did the that. It's fantastic. That is quite funny. But that basically sums up the vibe of Sociedad <laughs> at the minute. Like they are just absolutely <laughs> loving it, and I feel like they're a team that I'm going to call it early. Mm. They're going to be the surprise package in the Champions League this year. Okay. Okay. I think they're going to be the team that goes further than people expect. Um, I honestly think this team on their day and at home can cause problems to any side. And I, it's just come to me, but I kind of have a sneaky feeling that Arsenal might end up there because of Arteta and we could yeah. be in trouble. Yeah, that would be interesting. That would be so fascinating. But anyway, Rory, let's move on. Let's move on. And next we're going to be talking about after C comes, no, after D comes E, <laughs> um, and we're going to start in Glasgow. I really did. I can't get all the predictions right, guys. <laughs> I said Celtic were going to get out of this group, and guess what? They're not. Nope. Um, <laughs> they are shooting themselves in the foot at every opportunity. Yep. But Lazio in the final minute, again, 97th minute this time, was yeah, it? 96, 96th, I think it was, minute. yeah. It might have been recorded um, as 95th. 95th. Because it was technically minute, on the Pedro. cusp. It was on the cusp, yeah. Yeah, 95th Pedro. minute, Pedro gets the winner after Vecino and Kyogo. I really liked that goal from Celtic. I thought it was a very well-worked oh, yes. goal. I'm going to give them some credit. Yeah, O'Reilly was incredible for this kind of one-two of Kyogo, and Kyogo takes it really well. I think what you have to give credit was Celtic's intense kind of pressure on the front mm. foot, you know, not letting Lazio settle down. It was very evident. They that were the better team. I, I, I feel definitely for the first half. And I, I felt like at that point, I was wondering, will Lazio be able to cope with the pressure? Because they were kind of 
exploding at points. They couldn't get two passes together at one point. And they were all the time having to bang it back to Providal, who was just hoofing it as far as he could yeah. every time. I don't want it! Like, <laughs> yeah. He had no choice, did he? He had no choice whatsoever. Um, yeah. This off the back of like the comments in midweek by Sari, who's like, he was, he was, I don't know if you saw it, Rory, but he was saying that he's lost with the time schedule. He doesn't know who he's facing the next yeah. game. Yeah. Like, it feels like Rosari is going to be out of the door soon. Um, it is end days. Yeah, it, it yeah, is. Yeah. But back to the performance, um, Lazio somehow kind of grow into it. They kind of have their little moments. Kamada has a few kind of opportunities from distance, which go into corner situations. I think Joe Hart, is a bit suspect for at least one of the goals, I would say. Uh, you could argue he's not that great. He's not. He's, not that he's great. a good shot stopper, and that's about it. He's yeah. the opposite of Onana, isn't he, basically? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ever since Pirlo did that uh, Penenka, yeah, that's he's it. never been he's the never same, been the same been as he. Um, but yeah, so it, I think, again, I just feel like this is that bit that I spoke about in a preview, which is they needed to invest. They, you know, they had some funds in there. Why have they not done this? And they did this historically before where they kind of try and cheapskate themselves into these positions and, you know, buy Venegorov Hesselink for like 2.8 million and expect him to be like God's gift to get them out of the group stages. Despite all previous evidence saying the the contrary. Exactly. So this is the problem. I, I feel this will always be the issue. And... Brendan Rodgers as well. He seems to have this like little bit of a curse when it comes to Champions League. He can't seem yeah. to grind out results. Fantastic when it's the domestic league because you can see the football that they play is well, the continuation to on. a degree of what Postacoglu we, did last season. But I think it's a player that we're there. Competition. We yeah, okay. Let's let's park that to the side. That's another podcast. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, the point is when it comes to those big games, they seem to be up for it. The crowd's up for it but they just falter for some reason. They just don't yeah. have that experience. And that's the difference, I think, Rory. If they're ever going to get out of the group stages, they're going to have to invest and get some bigger names into that team. And unfortunately, I think it's just attracting those bigger names to come and play against Aberdeen and Inverness, yeah. Caledonia, Thistle. Like, the league itself needs improving before Massively. any of the clubs get better, unfortunately. Um, but I do think Celtic probably deserved something from this game, and it was quite harsh to concede in the last minute. But again, it's just what they do, isn't it? It's what they do. Yeah. Uh, in the other game, Atletico Madrid had to fight bloody hard um, against Feyenoord to come from 2-0 down after an incredible start, an own goal from Hermosa in the seventh minute, and then Hanko in the 34th. Um, but Atletico came back, won it 3-2, and Antoine Griezmann and Morata. I think his goal-scoring record is actually pretty good. Morata's found a home, hasn't he? He's found his yeah. place at the moment, and it feels like he just feels at home with what he's doing down there as well, in particular, because Atletico have kind of diversified. You know, Diego Simeone has changed his philosophy to an extent. I think it also helps with the type of players that he's brought in in the summer as well. So Aspicoleta, you know, probably you could say he's into his retirement age now, but he kind of seems to get the best out of these kind of players. And he kind of yeah, fits yeah, that yeah. philosophy of a Diego Simeone player who will just give his all, right? And that's what oh, he yeah, loves. he's a fighter, that's isn't he? That's the thing. He's a fighter. That's Absolute what I mean. Fighter. So Simeone yeah. knows how to pick his players. I mean, yeah, probably Jao Felix was something from the scouting division and it never really fit for like Simeone or Atletico, <laughs> right? So but yeah, I mean, you've got to give credit to 
I think they're dark horses. I really genuinely think they'll be dark horses for this competition wow. as well. Um, they're proving. I like that. I, show. I think they. It'd be good to see Atletico back getting far in the competition. So. Eh? I think like they'll be interesting this season. Um, nice. We're going to leave Group E there. Atletico top on four points uh, on goals scored. Uh, Lazio on four points in second. Feyenoord on third with three points, and Celtic bottom with zero points. God damn it, Celtic. Um, <laughs> we're going to move on to Group F, where one of my predictions, yeah, woo, one of my predictions, and one that even as I said it, I thought I don't know how much I believe it, <laughs> came true as Newcastle on their day were much better than PSG. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm just going to get out here early and say I'm going to ignore all the noise around it, which made me absolutely depressed <laughs> and hate football, and just talk about the performance. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about the performance. I don't have time for an existential crisis. So, Newcastle were bloody incredible. Oh, my God. Yep. They did their homework. They really did do their homework. And I, it was so bizarre seeing Enrique kind of announce the squad prior to kickoff around having almost four forwards. It, it reminded me of that mm-hmm. 4-2-4 formation on that football manager where you're like, yeah, let, let's do it. It doesn't matter. We've got no, you know, those I two midfielders. I need a goal in the last 10 minutes. Yeah, That's what it is. Literally. Just put all the chips into my front line, right? Basically, and it wing backs attacking, <laughs> like yeah. everything just going. Yeah, yeah, but it was so bizarre because they clearly didn't have a understanding of how they were going to play that formation, how they're going to interact. The interesting thing was obviously Musa Dembele. If his kind of shot from that free kick goes in, then you're talking potentially different dynamics of the game. Um, but to their credit, Newcastle will start really well. They get the goal through Mickey Almiron. And that, again, it's very similar to that Celtic philosophy. They put a lot of pressure on PSG's defenders. They were trying to pass it out the back. They struggled with that intensity that was supplied by Newcastle. Obviously, roared on by that St. James's Park crowd as well. Um, but they seemed so fired up. They knew what they had to do. And, you know, you had players like Anthony Gordon, who I never thought we'd be saying this, but he actually was quite good in terms of what I he offered offensively. Him, but yeah, he played yeah. really well. He played really well. <laughs> yeah. Isak looks a huge threat on the night, and you could tell they kind of respected him. Um, but it was just through like shots and rebounds. I think, if anything, I would say Newcastle were very lucky with the second goal, which Dan Byrne scores. I was about to say I that. think I they were very to lucky that. to get away with that. For some reason, the um, VAR doesn't really pull it for the foul that happens prior to kind of the offside call, uh, which mm. obviously is onside because it's played on by a, one of the right backs. I think it's Hakimi. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, from that moment onwards, they kind of collapsed. PSG were a shadow of their normal selves. Lots of questions going back to Paris. Enrique was even asked about why he chose that formation. And he said, basically, look, I ch- choose that and we'll talk about it in private. And it was just... Yeah, lack of respect. I feel Enrique won't last at this current rate because they're doing really poorly in Ligue 1. Doesn't look like he's found a winning formula down there. Um, It's going to be interesting, that second leg. That's all I'm going to say because I think, yeah, there's going to be a lot of intense pressure on Enrique to pull off a result. And that group's really open, Roy. We'll talk about the other game in a minute, but yeah, it looks intense. What's your thoughts on this match, by the way? I thought, yeah, the, Newcastle United are very good at coming up with plans. Mm. They're just very good at coming up with game plans and they execute it very well. It's a system that they've been, like, they're more than familiar with. And I feel like with 
that like the crowd behind them the occasion like it was all kind of felt like it was building up something mm. and what i find more interesting is the fact that psg are finally it seems they've got rid of two superstars they've tried to be like pragmatic and be like right we need these players that aren't the big names but they get the job done and bringing in a player like ugarte who was incredible mm-hmm. for sporting yeah. lisbon and when i saw him i was like god damn it i need him at arsenal like bringing in these players where you're like oh okay they're filling in gaps and they're starting to build something but it very much felt like a project team. Yeah. It felt like it was just so many still holes in it, still in transition, still not any clear identity. And it's just like, what is the point of PSG if they're not winning the Champions League? <laughs> like, mm. because the whole thing is built towards that. They've got close to it once they yeah. got to the final, right? Like, it doesn't, they still feel nowhere near it. And I think just there's so. Yeah, and then the tactical naivety from from Luis Enrique because that midfield, the midfield two of Ugarte and Zaire Emery, both very good, good players. players. But Emery is not defensively solid enough no. to keep up with the constant barrage of runners from the mm. Newcastle the Newcastle attack in the style of football that they play. That Enrique should have known that they were going to play. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I just feel like he didn't equip the team well enough to be able to deal with it. And then you can deal with the individual errors from the defense and the fact that Newcastle were able to jump on them mm. and execute so so effectively. It was an incredible performance. It's an amazing night for Newcastle fans. I honestly don't begrudge Newcastle fans any of it because it's not your fault what's happened to your club, no, right? No, no. It's not your fault who owns them. I, if I was a Newcastle fan, would be enjoying that night, right? And I think it's a great thing to see. Just a lot of the noise around it, just afterwards, I felt hollow. I was just like, oh, what is football? But we're going to leave it yeah. there. Um, You've caused enough because noise I don't already. want to go on about it, and my our mentions were an absolute mess last night. Um, <laughs> but you can go and check out them them uh, interactions on Twitter if you're really bored. Um, but in the other game, there's literally nothing to say about it. Milan nil, Dortmund nil. Two teams doing absolutely did finish nil nil. It did right? finish nil nil, yeah. and all I was going to say on this game, Rory, nothing was happened. that question marks for Pioli again because whilst Dortmund that was. I think they were unlucky. I, I feel they they had chances in this match towards okay. the end of it. I appreciate it wasn't much of a kind of game I would switch on to watch again if that was the opportunity, let's put it that way. Um, but I, I do worry whether Milan have enough kind of mental... Um, what's the right word for this? But resilience. Resilience, but also, you know, patience to kind of grind out results at the moment. It doesn't feel like yeah, they yeah. can do that at the moment. Um, they're still finding each other, if that makes Not sense. Consistently. Like, look, Not consistently. Look, in the early days yeah. of Serie A, they seem like, oh, wow, these new players have gelled really well. But actually, they're not. Then It feels like they're still finding each other and they don't know best ways of working. I think it goes down to Pioli here mm-hmm. as well. Um, so maybe a point isn't that bad, but I think you should be trying to win these games. That Dortmund aren't a special yeah. side. But I, I do still think Dortmund away is a, is a tricky tie. And for Milan, that's a better result than Dortmund. But they're now looking at 2 0 nils in the Champions League. Exactly. Uh, no, wait. They, yeah, yeah. They drew against yeah, Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, not a great start. Um, but I did see today Cassano, uh, who is always. Oh, I saw Absolutely spouting off about Leao. And Leao retweeted it with just laughing, laughing, laughing emojis, emojis and clown, clown faces. faces. Yeah. 
Yeah, Cassano is just fucking brilliant. I love him, but I understand why people absolutely hate him. Just saying that he's not productive enough and yeah, yeah he's trying to make up the other players. Well. Um, I love you, Antonio. Sorry, um, <laughs> but in the other two games, we're going to kind of. Oh, I think we just summarise them. Just summarise. Group the G and H are just the most boring. Lewandowski's group. injured. There you go. Yeah. That's that's your summary. Yeah. Um, but funnily enough, the two games in both of these groups that were worth watching were from the teams that you wouldn't really watch. <laughs> um, Young Boys, Kavena Svezda was 3 2, right? This yes, it was. Yeah. That. Uh, 2 2 in the end. Um, 2 2. And Shakhtar Donetsk Antwerp was 3 2 with Shakhtar, yes. um, with Toby Alderweireld. What a penalty. A, <laughs> a quick applause to Tony Alderweireld missing the last minute penalty um, to ensure. I thought that Icardi's was bad back. enough, but Toby's wins. Oh, Jesus it. Christ. I mean, oh, it was a bad penalty. It's it's I don't know why your centre back's taking your freaking penalty. Anyway, um, that finished um, three two, right? Yeah, yeah three two, Shakhtar, three Donetsk. two away. Yeah, Shakhtar. I always enjoy watching. Um, but that means that we have finished the Champions League group stages. Um, just a few headlines in the Europa League. West Ham won today, which now means that they have or they are on the longest unbeaten run in European football. Wow. Um, for an English team in history, which is incredible. Um, and friend of the show, Tom Wayne, who told me that fact, did also say that feels a very long way away from losing to Astra fucking Google, <laughs> um, which is, I really enjoyed. So yeah, West Ham, absolutely loving it. Um, the other results, um, Brighton came from 2-0 down yes. to go with Marseille, which is massive. A good um, Marseille side now as well. Oh, it is Gattuso. He's put on a lot of time. Yes, I, I said he likes Nonna's uh, cooking a bit too much. I mean, he's he put has... it on. Like, <laughs> like he reminds me of when you, you know when we saw Wesley Schneider suddenly like, like balloon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what we saw with All Gattuso. of a sudden he looks like a truck driver. And you're like, <laughs> oh crap, you've almost been enjoying your time off. Um, yeah, how did the other England team, English teams get on? Liverpool beat Union Salwaj, yeah. Saint-Gilois 2-0. Um, nothing really surprising there. Gravenberch getting his first team, mm. first goal for Liverpool. That's exciting. Yep. And I'm going to very quickly go Aberdeen, Aberdeen drew one all with HJK. Aston Villa only won one nil. John McGinn in the 94th minute against Rinsky. They oh. still need to figure out European football, don't they, uh, Villa? They're struggling yeah, a little bit, they but they get a win. And that is all the English teams. Have I forgotten about anybody? I know Atalanta aren't England. Um, well, there's, there, English there is the British team Rangers obviously lost as well. 2-1 oh, yeah. away. So, that is quite funny. So, Sorry, result. Craig, but that is quite funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to leave European football there. We're going to go for a very quick break and we're going to come back with our weekend previews. We will see you there. My name is David Artel, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian pod. And here we are. It's time for the weekend preview. So, Adam, do you want to take us through the Serie A games this weekend? There's some big ones. Yeah, there's some very big games for our listeners to look forward to. If we start with tomorrow's game, so you'll be listening to this listener on a Friday, hopefully. So we'll start off with Empoli taking on the might of Udinese. So that's got draw written all over it to make it five consecutive draws for Udinese, probably. Um, But Empoli, obviously, in better form. Having said that, they lost the last game. So not holding out too much hope here. 
But the big game that does take place this evening, if you're listening to us on the Friday, is Lecce versus Sassuolo. So we joked about it offline, Rory. Who's going to fuck up first? Who's going to make it even worse for each other? <laughs> I'm hoping up. personally that Lecce do get a win because it'd be nice for them to kind of be in that kind of top six still mix to be yeah. considered. I know it won't last long, but... I think in Sassuolo fashion, they have to lose to Lecce. They, <laughs> they are Lecce the Robin Hood. They give <laughs> yeah. to the poor, right? So it's only just that they do that on this occasion. Anyway, Rory, we move on to Saturday. A very juicy game at two o'clock, and that is Inter taking on Bologna. They're at home. Bologna in better form of late, um, but it could be a tricky tie for Inter. I mean, I know we talked about how they've kind of gone through this little bit of a dry kind of spell in front of goal um, in the Champions League. However, I still expect them to win. Um, should be a good game, though, on show. And then we move in at five o'clock to the Turin derby. And we've got Juventus taking on Torino. Rory, do we expect Torino to actually win this game for once? No, they'll never win it. They'll never win it. They'll never win it. It'll be a 1-0 win to Juve in the 87th Scored by Rabiot. Um, I'm going to say, no, Bremer's injured, isn't it? I'm going to say... Kostic in the 87th minute, 1-0, and it'll be the worst game in history. Uh, I'm yeah. going to go, it'll be scored in the 21st minute, and then they'll defend for the rest of the game, and no one will enjoy like the game. That. So like basically yeah, the same yeah. philosophy there going on yeah. anyway. Um, and then in the late kickoff on Saturday, we will have Genoa taking on Milan. So Giladino used to be a striker, now comes back as a coach. Genoa, very exciting. Obviously, he doesn't want any mentions of Goodmanson, so we'll just talk about Rategui instead, potentially yeah. doing something against Milan. Um, very good game there, Rory. And we move in quickly to Sunday. So we've got Monza take on Salernitana, Frosinone taking Hellas Verona, a big game for Sari's career, potentially. Lazio take on Atalanta. That should be goal fest, potentially. Gamaka is back this weekend, Let's people. See. Don't worry for my Fanta Calcio. He is available to be picked again. Claudio Ranieri faces his old side, Roma, on the 5 p.m. kickoff. He does need a win, Rory. He does need he does. a big win somehow. Um, it could be on the cards here. This is Mourinho's mm. Roma, so potentially there. And the last game on Sunday night, which, again, is quite a good tie, I would say, Potential for football here. Napoli taking on Fiorentina. Fiorentina of late starting to win games now, Rory, but I just don't have much hope for them when it comes to Serie A. Um, but yeah. No, they finally they finally had a striker score and Zola actually yes, scored yeah, his first goal. Yeah, exactly. He's their first striker to score this season as exactly. well. So maybe it is a turnaround for them. Uh, we will see. In the Premier League, we have on Saturday the early kickoff down at Kenilworth Road, they will be visited by Tottenham. Also, I completely, completely missed me by that Luton played Burnley this midweek. <laughs> um, if you didn't see it, Luton lost 2-1 to Burnley. Of course they freaking did. Um, <clears throat> but Luton will take on Tottenham. Um, I can only really see that going one way, but it'll be nice to see Kenilworth Road on an early yep. kickoff. We have Fulham taking on Sheffield United. Heckenbotham's still in charge, right? Still yes, he's still in charge somehow. Somehow, somehow still in charge. Fulham, after the humiliation of losing to Chelsea, need to save some face and get they back do. on the winning um, 
winning horse, winning ride. Then yeah. we have Burnley, fresh off the first win from the season, taking on Chelsea in the second of the three o'clock kickoffs on the Saturday. We have Man United hosting Brentford, as we uh, mentioned mm. earlier. Brentford having a pretty low-key, to be yeah. polite, start to the season. Man United desperately need a win. I can see this as a draw. I'll be honest. A score um, draw, I would say. I think neither yeah. team. Yeah, I think neither team's really going to take this one. Then the first massive game of a Saturday, I think Everton taking on Bournemouth. Bournemouth are yet to win a game. They are visiting Goodison Park. <laughs> this think will we, only I'm end say, one way. Adam, how does this end? I'm going to say three-one Bournemouth. <laughs> I can see that happening. Oh. I can see Solanke potentially scoring a hat trick. Although I want to say, is that I think that's happened before. I want to say that's happened mm. before. I, I'm just going to quickly check if they're face to faces. I'm pretty sure I, there was a very similar scoreline where like that Gary O'Neill just... pulled off a result. I also heard a statistic about Everton this week um, <laughs> that made me laugh and cry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Everton fans, because you don't really need this right now. But um, since 1995, Everton are the only side in professional English football to have not had a trophy or promotion to celebrate, uh, which is a friggin' brutal stat. I thought supporting Sunderland was bad, but Everton might be worse. Yes, that is pretty brutal. And uh, I was right, Rory. Uh, well, they did. So there's been various different results. But um, yeah, back in 2020, uh, Everton lost 3-1 to Bournemouth. Uh, in November 2022, Bournemouth won 4 one uh, November 2022 again, Bournemouth won 3 0. Um, yeah, the last time. The record is terrible. Last time Everton beat Bournemouth was in May when they were scrapping for survival. That was that last day, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, they won 1 0. Oh, it was the Decorium. Yeah. So, um, Jesus. Wow. Grim times. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, the little silence there in morning. Like, Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, then we have in the late kickoff. It's not Newcastle United, people. It is not Newcastle United in the late kickoff. Um, Crystal Palace will be hosting Nottingham Forest. I think that could be an interesting one, actually. Um, then on Sunday we have oof, oh, spicy oh. Brighton taking on Liverpool. Brighton fresh off a battering Liverpool, James Milner, fresh Derby. off an injustice. Um, two managers will be desperate mm. for a win here. This game always has goals. Yes. It's always like yeah. 4 3, 3 3, 3 2. It's never a dull one, this. Yeah, I, I can fancy this being, I'm going to put it out there, 5 all. 5 all. It's got it written. Oh, that's bold. Deserve <laughs> to stoke it up. I absolutely love it. Then we have West Ham taking on Newcastle at the same time. Um, interesting one. West Ham, Jared Bowen called up into yeah. the England squad. West Ham having a very good start to the season. Newcastle dealing with Europe for the mm. first time. And that is a tricky stadium to go yep. to. Then we have, at the same time again, a West Midlands derby, yeah, I yeah. want to say. West Midlands, Midlands. Midlands. Yeah. Um, as Wolves take on Aston Villa. I think that is going to be a really interesting one because Wolves, again, we've said, yep. they're much better than their position shows, yeah, I think. Definitely. Um, and Villa, obviously fantastic mm -hmm. this year. And then I, it now this feels also real. It now feels also real yeah. that it's going to happen this Sunday. Um, Arsenal taking on Manchester City. Ugh, if we don't beat them this weekend, we're never going to beat them. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm just, it's, it's, that's it, really. They're without Rodri. They're without De Bruyne. They're not in the greatest form. Like, if we don't win this weekend... We will never beat them. 
it just feels and i know arsenal fans are so dramatic and just so like you know final and everything but it really does feel like this is the, the only one glimmer of hope for man city fans is the form of julian alvarez i mean that guy yeah, I'm that we didn't speak about his goal against red bull uh, leipzig but yeah i mean you, we mentioned you mentioned it. I'm you telling you, one of the best strikers in the league. I think there is a definite you. candidate there. I think the way he's playing, he's been incredible. So, yeah, they better do a good man marking job of him. That's all I can say. As much as I hate him, there's a slight positive is that Thomas Partey might be back. And as much as I hate yeah. him off the field and as a person, etc. It could be a positive, and I hate myself that I'm having to say that. Um, yeah. But yeah, he could be back. Um, and yes, the video of him being celebrated in training did make me sick. But we are going to leave the Premier League there for now. Um, and we're going to come back with a very quick-ish mastermind quiz after we've set the tension. And here we are. Time for Mastermind. And this time it is Adam's turn to take on the um, the gauntlet, yes. to run the gauntlet. Without as he has any one knocking no neighbours this time, right? Yeah, I know. Actually, I saw them walking out and it was four girls who clearly looked like they were going out to get hammered. So I was like, okay, good. Have fun. <laughs> you can't complain while I'm shouting next door. Um, good. So this week we have, this pod is just turning into who lives next door to Rory for this week, I've realized. Um, this week you have two categories to choose between, Adam. You have um, debut teams in Europe in the 23-24 season. Oh. Or... Oh. Serie A stadiums in the 23-24 season. Uh, neither of them are my specialist subject. Let's put it that way. Um, let us go with stadiums. Let's go with that one. Okay. So this is just going to be name name the stadium. <laughs> what is the name of the Serie A stadium? I'm just going to give you the team. You tell me the name of the stadium. That's okay. it. Right. And one minute, um, starting. Oh, that's nearly fifty-nine. One minute, starting now. Fiorentina, pass. Um, let's go Inter Milan, San Siro. Uh, Torino, Stadio Olimpico. Very good. Uh, Udinese. Oh, I forgot what the name is now. Pass. Um, Lecce Del Mare Oh nice Good Um, Hellas Verona Pass Um, Empoli Pass Sassuolo The Marpe Stadium Nice Good Um, Salernitana No, pass. Um, Bologna. Pass. Atlanta. I'm going to pass. I'm... Oh, oh, and you have run out of time. As the chicken crows in chicken traditional crows. Masterman style, you have run out of time. <laughs> but you got four. I was counting them on my hand. Good. You got four. I've got more that than I've ever bloody got in any good. of the rounds beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> That's not bad. Um, I can't remember which ones I asked, so I'm just going to go through a few. So Fiorentina is one of them, yeah. 
so Atalanta is the Stadio Atleti Azzurri d'Italia. Mm, it's kind of difficult. Yeah. Um, Bologna, the Stadio Renato Dallara. Dallara. Um, didn't do Cagliari, Empoli, no. Stadio Carlo Castellani. The difficult thing is in Italy, they're all named after people. <laughs> uh, Fiorentina, Stadio Artemio Franchi. Um, I asked Hellas Verona, Stadio Bentegodi. Um, Torino, you got right. Yeah. Lecce, you got right with Via del Mare. It's yeah. a great name for a stadium as well. That. Um, and Salernitana, Stadio Arecchi. Mape Stadium, you got right, yeah. and Udinese is Stadio Friuli, which is the region mm. that Udine is in. That's pretty good, Adam. That's not bad. When I when I set this category, I was like, I don't know how many of these I'd get, to be honest. Yeah. Because whenever whenever Tommy asks me, I always just say Artemio Franchi for any stadium because <laughs> it's just the one that's in my head. I'm like, oh Bologna, that's Artemio Franchi. They're like. No, no, no. Oh, Cagliari, that's our term your Frankie. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's Always. true. It's, very, it's very true. Good. It's either Olimpico, isn't it, as well? Olimpico stadiums as well, right? Because I know... I also didn't want to just go Roma. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And then Lazio. Inter. Inter. Milan. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Come on. Just like you rock up the points. <laughs> I feel like I've, I've, there's got to be some pr- self-preservation exactly. in the game you've as well. Exactly. You've got like. to do the smaller <laughs> grounds, right? You've got to do the frustrations <laughs> of the world. But never mind. Well, guys, thank you for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. Um, it's always great to be back talking football and talking Champions League, etc. We've got a great weekend ahead of us. Um, hopefully on Monday I'm coming back absolutely over the moon but I am not holding my breath Adam anything to say before we let these lovely people no great pod as ever and just think about Cheslav Mikhnevich this weekend I'm sure he's really depressed that's all in his big bath of money (laughs) his big bath of money (laughs) and we are going to leave you with a quote now I've been sat on this quote for a while but I feel like now is the time to finally drop it and it does come from Eric Ten Hag and it is of course I think this will be engraved in like the Etihad Stadium <laughs> at some point but I admire them both Man City and Liverpool they play fantastic football but eras come to an end <laughs> Arrivederci we will see you on Monday Ciao ciao Podcast Network.